1: I'm Chris. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the s- most haunted s- city <laughs> on
0: earth. <laughs> All right. Hello, everybody. And welcome to another bonus episode of the most haunted city on earth. My name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And we also have JT Timmons. Hey, what's up? I'm just pulling
2: up these questions. Yep,
0: he's going to be asking us questions that we found on our TikTok, our Instagram, our YouTube page. Mm -hmm. Um, So, we're going to answer some of y'all's questions. Um, Also, just some announcements uh, before we get started here. We have officially launched a Patreon. Woohoo!
2: Yay! Yay.
0: Um, So, if you do want to support us in that way, you're going to get so much cool content. We're going to do extra bonus episodes there's going to be merch drops there's going to be live investigations so a lot of really fun stuff going on over there so make sure to check that out we're going to have links in our bio to our patreon but you can also find it at patreon.com slash the savannah underground so with that being said i guess let's start with our coffee and ghost chat so we all have our coffee and it is actually
2: patreon.com backslash savannah underground know thee Pardon me. <laughs> it's all good. I just wanted to clarify.
1: No articles in the Patreon. I <laughs> <laughs> just thought it'd be easier. Like no, shorter, absolutely. But.
2: All right, let's go ahead and get started, everybody. So the first question is, uh, Slappy X sixty four asks, "What is a spirit?"
0: We're kicking it off on a high note. Apparently, mm. um, well. That's a very open-ended question because there's a lot of different types of things that can be classified as a spirit. So I guess in the broad sense of the question, a spirit is something that is no longer alive, or has never been alive so whether it's an intelligent haunting and a residual haunting an entity a demonic presence a angelic force uh, and then I mean technically you can get into all the other realms of folklore where you get into the fae and then the the window and all that technically the the cryptids those all could be considered a spirit but I guess the very condensed version of a very lengthy response would be just something that operates in a different plane than us humans and is not alive.
1: I would definitely use the concept of planes. Uh, Imagine that we are on one page of a book and there is all these other things on other pages. They're stacked on top of each other. We're all in the same book. But our reality is one page. Their reality is another page. And every now and then there's a piercing or a weakness between the pages and we can perceive or see. There's a wear and tear to reality. And anything that exists outside of our page, you can consider a spirit. Mm-hmm. And it, they come in such a wide variety of uh, you know, definitions. And I think that you have to be kind of open Because I'm always amazed that there are people who are very, very into ghosts but will like refute any other type of paranormal experience or any other thing. Or people who are very, very into UFOs but can't get behind the concept of a ghost. A lot of these things are connective. They are about our perception, our ability to perceive, and we are usually limited by the plane that we exist in. So when you think of, like, astral planing, it's like going to another page, you know, when you think of yeah. all of those things. So uh, my analogy for the day is all of existence is a book we are on one page, and there are things on the other pages that we can't perceive easily.
0: That's a very
2: good analogy. That is
1: a very good analogy.
2: Okay. All right. Thank you, Slappy X 64 All right, advocate for number four, Yourself, You Are Self, uh, asks, what is your thought on the moon? My body does not want to be in the moon. Like, it's a negative energy for me.
0: Huh. Are you Um, saying
1: moon? Moon. Yeah, like
0: the moon. Um, That's an interesting question because... A lot of witchcraft and pagan beliefs kind of stem from both the moon and the sun. I mean, obviously, all the other planets as well. But, like, the moon has always been seen as, like, this time of where the darkness and the, um, your shadowy side can start to arise and things like that. So if you're having problems going out into the moon, like moonlight, I guess... Um, maybe I don't, obviously I do not know you as a person, but maybe you're working through that shadowy side of yourself. I, maybe you have some trauma that you're dealing with, or maybe you're working through some different, darker emotions, and just the moonlight itself can bring up those negative feelings and negative energies, and you're perceiving it as coming from the moon, but necess- it's not necessarily that energy in particular. It might just be unleashing things that you need to break through. So that would be my take on it. Um, Yeah,
1: it's interesting because the moon, you know, uh, lunar is where we get the word lunacy because it is so well perceived that people behave differently under a full moon or with, with the concept of the bringing of the moon, the waxing and the waning of the moon. And I think that, it's almost as easy as suggesting that we are as affected by the moon as the tides. Hmm. Uh, Gravity is pulling on us. It is being slung around us and it is creating pools, magnetic pools and things like that. Things that very sensitive people can utilize for their um, own purposes. That's, I believe, why there's a lot of witchcraft and a lot of, of spellcraft that comes from being under the full moon Many of our legends are about what happened <coughs> under the full moon, werewolves and vampires, all of this concept of this glowing orb in the sky. And if you go far enough back to the idea that there was a time when, when the moon was gone, it was pitch black dark yeah. at night, you know, <laughs> just dark as you can imagine. And that's a scary time. But when the moon came out, people could see in the night and do terrible things. They can move in the night. And so it's possible that our fear of moonlight does kind of stem from an idea that you're at risk of people who would take advantage of the fact that the moon is out and shining on everything to move about. So I think that there is a lot to unpack with the moon. Yeah. <laughs> There's a there lot is. to go. Yeah. And, you know, uh, when you think of like a, an ingrained generational trauma of moonlight means advantage to people who would take it sure. you know people who would take advantage of the moonlight they would come out and we would then you know typify the full moon with evil and the full moon with with malcontent and the full moon with bad moods and darkness and that is a possibility of why the moon is linked to so many of our superstitions mm-hmm. of, uh, regarding evil but i also think that we mistake evil a lot, or we mistake energies that can that can harm us for being evil. You know, uh, I, I think I've talked about this before. Like when uh, when a bear attacks a, a human being, we will say, "Oh, that bear was evil." You know, it's an evil bear, but it's just a bear. It's acting like a bear. It's having bear-like tendencies. <laughs> so, you know, the fact that it attacked a person, you know, we don't we, we tend to ascribe all of these things to it. I think that's the truth with energy. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. people uh, get harmed by an energy, and like, oh, that was an evil energy. And it's like, well, maybe we didn't approach it right. Maybe mm-hmm. it was a dangerous thing. Um, I, I use fire as the example. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Like, yeah, like I when you go far enough back, people who encountered fire, they thought it was alive. You know, it's moving. Yeah. You can feed it sticks, and it'll eat it. And it, it had waste. It had all the attributes of something that was alive. And if it got on you, it hurt you. So you had to be very careful with it, and you had mm-hmm. to be very you know, uh, gentle and and, and kind of worship it in a way. And then it provided you warmth and it cooked your food. Yeah, it was so sweet. It was this incredible tool. But I think there was probably a time when when in our inability to recognize it, it was this force, this malevolent force that ate the forest. And, you know, when it got on, you know, Grog, Grog died. And we're like, oh, no, Grog, the fire ate him. So uh, the fire did not eat him. It it, (laughs) it just, well, I guess technically it did. But uh, it just burned him up.
2: Okay. Uh when when I was uh when I was in high school living with my parents, uh my daddy always used to say uh like I would go out, you know, late with my friends and stuff. And if there was a full moon, dad would always let me know, "Hey, it's a full moon. People are crazy tonight." Right. Yeah. People are are you know, cr- and I was like I was like, "Really?" Like, you know, I, I mean, thinking then back just to a it, I a constant. I, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. wild.
0: Well, and I mean, you got to think about history too. People used to operate Before we adopted the Gregorian calendar, we operated off of how the moon was operating. Absolutely, uh, the lunar calendar. So it it did it affected everything you did. It affected when you were going to plant your crops. It was going to affect like when you were going to bathe, when you're going to have your menstrual cycle. So we
1: still like use terms from that period, the harvest moon mm -hmm. and things like that. We we understand that that the plan is. How does the earth change as the moon passes by? Mm. You know, um, because the sun is, is, is hyper-effective on us, absolutely. It's what gives us life. But the moon actually sways us. You know, it actually it comes and flows, ebbs and flows, the tide.
2: Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, next question comes from Katie OCZ. Do you think the stalker in the cemetery could be Renee Rondolia? Oh, look at look at Chris's smile—he <laughs> just glowed up.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, one of my favorite stories, um. Renee Ash Rondolay. He is uh, by far one of Savannah's most famous boogeymen, um, and of the last twenty years, I'd say he has become. Dismissed. He is a dismissed spirit. Many people do not believe he existed or he ever existed. People think that he was a fabrication, um, which is a shame because it keeps people from telling the story because the story is great. It is basically about, it's kind of like an evil, forced Gump story. Uh, you know, it is kind of this outcast. Um, he was born physically uh, odd. They say he had giganticism, so he was a very big child. Um, Some people will say he also had hypertrichosis, which means he had hair everywhere. So some people would call him the Wolfman of Savannah. Some people call him the Beast of Savannah. But ultimately, he found refuge in the Colonial Park Cemetery because the cemetery used to be walled with a very tall wall. And so people couldn't see him, make fun of him, mock him, throw things at him. He was kind of a freak in Savannah and treated as such. He wasn't allowed to go to school. So he just lived out his life in kind of a feral way. And people used to release their pets, their dogs, into the cemetery because it was big walled. And then they'd come and pick them up at the end of the day. And according to legend, he would play with these dogs and he would get a little overly excited and kill the dogs. And then he would lay those dogs on the the family plots of the families that owned the dogs. He knew well enough to do that. Uh, according to legend, he went on to kill two girls yes. and lay their bodies yeah. on the family plot. So the connection was he did the same thing to girls that he did to dogs, although it was never proven. It was, never, it was a lynch mob situation where everybody was like, you know, kill the beast. And they, they showed up and they took him down and they hanged him. Um, and he still marauds around the cemetery. And I've known this story since the 80s. And it was always this great story in Savannah. And I've known people to see shadowy figures in the cemetery, to experience the sensation of this big, gigantic, loping figure. Um, there's even in, I think it's Warren Square, there's this huge, gigantic tree. And I had a friend who had an experience near this tree. And he was he was convinced that it was a Renee Ash experience. Okay, and, and it begged the question, is this the tree that they hanged him from? Um, mm-hmm. We would later learn that the tree that purportedly... He was hanged on was actually on the river itself. It's where the, or um, the Marriott, on the far uh, east end of River Street, where that stood. They, apparently, there was a, a hanging tree which was used uh, because when people came in, they could see the bodies hanging on the tree. Oh wow! As a warning, you know, yeah. th- we don't mess around, Savannahs. You know, we we mean business. Which right
2: there on the east side, that's where they. Yeah. That's where they, yeah. they 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 had like, they actually like. Hanged people, and when people came in, it was like, "Oh boy, this is a well, it's a red pirates sh- beware, <laughs> it's a red state."
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah they used to hang pirates just yeah. outside of almost every port. God, I'm about so to cut that this it's out. Like pirates beware was was the big thing. You got to be careful. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, but yes, as uh, as far as your question about Renee Ash, um, I think that there may be spirits that take on the the persona of Renee Ash because of the expectation. Ooh. Um, I have a, a long held belief that spirits that lose their identity seek identity and will take whatever identity you give to them. So, the short answer to it possibly, possibly the Shadow Stalker is Renee Ash, um, but not Renee Ash in the way that most people would think.
2: <laughs> Madison, what it's- do you have
1: to say about that?
0: I personally don't know if Renee Ash is anything more than a tall tale. Absolutely. You know. A
2: very tall tale. (laughs) Quite literally. (laughs) Like seven Um, feet.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um, So, I mean, I I completely agree with Chris that, you know, sometimes these spirits do take on these personas, and whatever's in the cemetery, you know, uh, could very likely just know that it's getting that attention when people are like, oh, I heard about Renee Ash, and maybe that's him. Maybe he's still here. But we actually went into, when we talked about the um, Colonial Park stalker, if you will, um, about how Chris knew a guy Mm -hmm. who would get the change out of the newspaper stand and whatnot, and how he got shot there. So that was kind of our theory of who that particular stalker might have been but not to say there's not other spirits in the cemetery that are also acting menacing and looming and whatnot
1: indeed absolutely yeah and (laughs) and yeah like i said i love the story of renee ash but it is more than likely fabrication but it's a fabrication an old fabrication um and i think about it like uh like slender man Yes, we know Slender Man was absolutely created. It was actually created for a contest, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, like a create an urban legend contest on Creepy and yet now there are countless people who claim to have seen him, to experienced him, to understand him, and it's like, well, spirits crave identity, and you can pretty much identify a spirit as anything, and they will do their best <laughs> to to keep the connection to you. So, uh, so be be mindful. Of what you think when you're scared, or what you think when, when you're you're faced with some supernatural entity, because um, it's kind of like in Ghostbusters, you know, choose your destroyer. You know, <laughs> it, it is definitely one of those things where our fears manifest in these beings, these entities.
0: And in the oh sorry oh no 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 uh, but it. in the case of Renee Ash, also we've seen very similar tales in lots of southern cities mm-hmm. that's another reason why I kind of think it is mm-hmm. a little bit of a tall tale is because you see it in New Orleans you see it in Charleston um, up until like Tennessee I think they've had yeah. Renee Ashes. And, and that was the
1: big question was you know uh, is there an original and was it Renee Ash mm-hmm. you know because Ooh. it's just a popular story.
2: Obviously, the originals from here because we're the most haunted city on earth.
1: So. <laughs> well, I I want to say that there was a time when someone dated this story back to the early eighteen hundreds, like eighteen ten, eighteen eleven. Really? Yeah. And I was like, that's that's impressive. You know, that, yeah. Yeah. That, that is that you know because regardless of uh, of, of 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 fact. That's a that's a long time for a word of mouth story yeah. oh, to yeah. to be rooted, and you think about all the people, all the children who have heard that story, and all the people who've grown up under the fear and threat of Renee Ash, this spirit, um, and then you know, well, it's very likely that it is the boogeyman. It's a boogeyman that people, you know, sure. tell each other.
2: Um, since, uh, instead of going to the next question, I'm going to go to the last question because it kind of has to do with this, uh, Brack, are Brackran SX asks, are cemeteries haunted? People never die there.
0: Well, actually, not always the case. Sometimes people do die there. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) Where's that guy who was beaten to death at the... Park Cemetery.
0: Yeah, and the duels, and um, and dueling the
1: ground. Yep, and yeah. the
0: kid that died right outside the cemetery. Right. Yep. All sorts of Lots people of stories. Come, yeah. come
2: visit Savannah. We're not that dangerous, although, although not as dangerous as it sounds. Well, I promise. These are spread
0: out <laughs> stories. This is not just from like, oh yeah, you know those dueling grounds from the early two thousands. <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah.
1: laughs> <Like, laughs> although I, no, those are from the nineties. It raises yeah. that interesting question um, because. What a cemetery is is a place to keep spirits. So when you ask, "Is a cemetery haunted?" it's an interesting question because a lot of why a spirit hangs around is because they can't let go of the of the plane of the place. There's a lot of things unfinished business and whatnot. Their firmest grasp on this world is their body, their very bones. So we find a place to put them <laughs> and it's not in the house and it's not in the backyard anymore it is some place special where we do ceremony where we do ritual and we have all these rituals that are basically saying i'm saying goodbye this is where you stay and then not uh, coincidentally we carve their names in stone Now, really think about that. The act of carving anything into stone is to mark it forever. You're trying to say, this is your place. I bind you by your name to this stone. And that becomes a big part of the superstitions that we have about desecrating a grave or moving a tombstone. And a myriad of ghost stories are, in fact, just about people who, uh, who moved a tombstone without moving a body, which, of course, Savannah is yeah. notorious for. <laughs> yeah, we got plenty I mean, of that. We've got so <laughs> many stories about that. So, yeah, um, the question of whether a, a cemetery is haunted or not kind of comes down to a lot of our beliefs about how to treat the dead are, in fact, about how to keep the dead from coming home or showing up or, or oh. bothering us. They are about placing the spirit and um, that is fascinating because I think there's that growing new trend. <laughs> new, i can say it's new. It's not new at all. It, but cremating people, putting them in urns, and having them at the house. Because this is, of course, I want to have the loved one with me. I, or the loved one says, I want to be spread in ashes or over the ocean. I want to be spread all over the place. Because they know that their body is the meat machine that the spirit moves around and we know how to drive the meat machine. And when the meat machine breaks down, we're like, Oh no, the meat machine. And we're all just meat machines. Yeah, (laughs) the, the, and, and we're attached to it because we, we know it's in, we know how it works. We under, we, that's what we piloted through this whole weird plane. And there's going to be a part of us that will never leave. Um, And I once heard, and it's uh, fascinatingly enough the idea of um, how long does a spirit remain? You know, how long can a spirit remain? And the answer I got, I loved this answer. It was as long as a name is legible on a stone. Ooh. That's, that's how long it takes. So like about 100 years, maybe right. a little bit exactly. less. <laughs> you know, um, and I was like, that's, so, that's such a cool concept. He's like, yeah, well, you carve the name sure. into stone, and that spirit's there, and it's dissipating until you cannot read the stone, and then it's gone. Interesting. And, interesting. and it is interesting, because I think that that becomes, like, a, a ground point of whether or not, because we have hundreds old, you know, <laughs> ghosts yeah, that maybe. are hundreds and hundreds of years old. Yeah. I was like, but we keep them alive with stories. Sure. And we keep them alive with, uh, with observation. Yeah.
0: The, uh, there's also a really interesting kind of belief from the, actually, the native people of Savannah, the Omicron Native Americans, they had this belief that wherever your bones reside is where your spirit resides, mm-hmm. and um, which goes along very well with what you were saying, you know. And it's a, a, it's an interesting concept to think of is why they built these big burial mounds of sorts so that the tribe can kind of stay together even in the afterlife, and they're still congregated because as long as your bones are there, and eventually your bones will turn to dust, yep. and it will eventually kind of go back into the earth so you know
1: once upon a time yeah
0: once upon a time exactly before
1: we filled it with formaldehyde and exactly <laughs> and all these chemicals. yeah so why are we preserving bodies again anybody
0: so it's an interesting concept of maybe that's when you know the spirits kind of pass over to is when they're fo- finally their bones are oh yeah no longer it's, it's
1: it's kind of a beautiful concept which is our life has a a longer purpose than the time that we're actually alive. You know, the 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 instance of we have more to learn after we die. We have more to experience after we die because as spirits in these meat machines, we aren't done when the meat machine goes. We we carry on. Um and that's the belief of the afterlife, that's the belief of all these things. Absolutely. But I do think that uh, when you look culturally all uh, many cultures have so many different views but they all kind of come around this idea of satisfying the body mm-hmm. you know making sure that the body because the spirit will never let it go you know the spirit's not going to just say well i died i'm yep. i'm going to go bye meat machine um, <laughs> and and it's worth saying that a, a spirit is easily fractured meaning you could you could have Spiritual energy from the same entity in multiple locations. Like, I can go to Abe Lincoln's childhood home, and people are like, oh, yeah, ghost of Abe Lincoln is here. And I can go to Washington, D.C., to the White House, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, Abraham Lincoln is here.
2: Another tall tale.
1: And yeah, yeah, six foot four. <laughs> so uh, that becomes just an interesting way of looking at it is the human spirit is timeless and can, and can be multiple places at once. Um, the human body actually limits us. In our ability to be everywhere that is beautiful uh, so yeah.
2: chris poet mm-hmm. all righty here we go on to the next one heather bug with two g's at 85 asks what do you think of the and i've never heard of this what do you think of the stone tape theory
0: so it's an interesting theory So, um, for those of you who don't know what that means, essentially, it's uh, this concept that spirits are energy, which, I mean, is very common um, throughout paranormal studies, but they believe that the energy goes into stone or rocks, and that is what amplifies the paranormal activity. So, there is some validity there because, I mean... Rocks and stones and things like that can amplify paranormal activity. Like, look at the entire state of Florida. It's built on top of limestone. Limestone was used to um, help with the decomposition of bodies and burials and things like that. It naturally amplifies paranormal activity. But I don't necessarily know if rocks and stones are what are harboring ghosts and things like that.
1: So, yeah, I I think we do have certain stones that obviously uh, promote spiritual health, spiritual well-being, um, and can incur positive effects, negative effects, depending on how you use them. Um, However, I'm not overly familiar with the actual uh, stone tape theory, per se, but I do know that when dealing in in just gemology and stone work. Um, Stone has always been a very potent and powerful remnant. We use it because it it endures more than the human body. And so I I would imagine uh, that if you were to categorize how much spiritual energy you can get from a stone or anything like that, probably a great deal, especially when you think of like Stonehenge and the things that people make that that are spiritual monuments made of stone, um, the pyramids, all these things. Uh, They're edifices that, that weather time very well. And in many instances in my mind, spirituality and time perception are very closely linked. Because again, time is this the way we perceive things. It, 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 but it's possible that we're just doing it wrong <laughs> or we're doing it the, the slow way. Um, sometimes I think of time like a, like a cookie and we're just taking a bite and a bite and a bite, but there are some entities out there that just eat the whole thing, just put the whole thing in their mouth and they have access to all of the cookie. They have access to all of time. We're still just biting, bite, by bite, trying to get through it. So you can really explain to like
2: kids like how ghosts work <laughs> Like seriously. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I spent yeah. a lot of time trying to Bookies. trying to make sense of, of it, but because we do it bite by bite and other things do it all at once, they already have the vast experience and th- their, their perception of what's going on is so vastly different than what we are. You know um, They don't think of what happens next. They basically look at it as it's all happening all at once. Gotcha. Like the beginning and the end of time are literally the same moment. And we are choosing to experience the infinitesimal fractions of it. But entities and beings that don't, like, and I'm getting to a point stone endures, it's there through a long period of time, meaning it's catching up on all the events around it, all the energy that happens, all the things move, we talked about, like old houses, why they are, seem so haunted, is because they've been standing there a long time with an energy flowing through them in a very similar way. If you move a wall, you might get some disturbance of energy because the traffic flow changed, you know. Oh. Savannah's very haunted because of the way it's laid out, and it's been the same way for so long that yeah. the energy flows. You start building giant hotels, you're going to get some 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 friction, you some spiritual friction. The,
0: the streets on River Street, you're fireworks. going to get some friction. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and so I think that that's uh, one of those things that anything that has been around for a long time is getting layers of energy. Throughout that time,
2: you know that's a really good point uh, that I wanted to ask, Madison. You were you were extremely um, upset when they were ripping up the stones on River Street. I mean, literally, I I didn't hear the end of this. Uh, Not kidding. Like, like she would, she was at the time working for a company. This was like, this was before the Savannah Underground, like right before the Savannah Underground. And so you were, you were doing something else for another company and she would see it every night and she'd come home furious. No night was a good night. Like I'd be there, I'd have a beer, I'd be just chilling, the pups in my lap, you know, all, all of that. And then all of a sudden she bust through the door and like, you know, they're tearing up more, Street, And I was like. But, like, why did that make you so upset?
0: Well, one, because I'm a history nerd. And um, because of the fact that these stones that are down there have been there for so long, it, it it's remarkable that they're still intact enough that we're able to drive over it and we're still able to walk on it. And it's a way to feel connected Absolutely. to the original city. So I'm not personally a big fan of ripping it up to build something new, um, especially because even though they say like, "Well, we're going to put it back," it's never going to be the same.
1: No, it's, and, it's been interrupted. The energy has been interrupted. Absolutely,
0: exactly. And it's like, and and that's a total sidebar of like you know all the paranormal um, disturbances that'll come from that. But you know, it's um, it's it's just changes the history in general, and just not a big fan of it. Especially in a city that honors our history and honors our um, architectural achievements. Like a lot. Achievements. Yeah, we we put a lot of effort in as a city to keep everything in To preserve it. This city, absolutely.
1: Haters. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, I mean.
1: Although it's gotten looser. uh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm like, you're never going to be able to replace ballast stone. Um, from the 1800s it 's yeah. not gonna it 's not ever yeah, worth happen.
1: worth mentioning is that the river street those stones are what they use to weigh down the ships coming in but when they loaded them up with crops when with mm-hmm. cotton and everything they had to move the ballast stones out and they used the ballast stones in the ships to create river street mm-hmm. and the river walk so really yeah yeah, yeah How those do stones you know this stuff I've been around. Oh man, my god! For since for how long, Chris? <laughs>
2: Forever. <laughs> like, He's a vampire, I'm a very old man. <laughs> like every time we do a po- podcast episode, you're just over here like, here's something no one knew. I, I,
1: like, that is a common knowledge thing. That is. Right? That is but, no, but it's, no, it's okay. It's, maybe it's, just it's me not mean, a normal. <laughs> co- it's not a normal thing to talk about. But usually, when 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 you get into any type of history sure. or Street, one of the first things you you learn is that the stones were ballast stones. Ballast stones mean they they weighed down the boats. And because boats would be loaded up here in, in America, they wanted them to travel empty, empty. So those ballast stones were used to, to counterweight. And then, of course, they were taken off, Sure, whatever was put on. And, yeah, that means that not only are these stones integral to the history of, of Savannah, they came from far away. And that, because I defy you to find a rock in Savannah, go look, go, go dig all you want. You're not going to find some big, gigantic stone. That's not how it works here. We are in a swamp. So, (laughs) um, so it's, it's amazing that, that, you know, even the wall between uh, River Street and Bay Street is just peppered with, with history, like, you know, tangible, you know, history.
2: Awesome. Um, sorry for that coffee gulp into the microphone. That was probably not uh, enjoyable. Okay. There's some so. ASMR
1: people out there who are like, oh, oh yeah. yes, drink more coffee.
2: <laughs> That's,
0: uh, the wet noises. Mm. Oh, no,
2: no, 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 no.
1: Ugh.
2: Okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. From. Oh, God. Okay. lucery. Lamas Quir. When I was when I was three, my imaginary friend showed me the craft and some dark stuff. Is that a demon?
0: Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, there you have it. Next question. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, to simply put it, yes, that is a demon. Um, now they are
2: not talking about the movie.
0: <laughs> the, craft. the craft. Oh God. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> I'm just here for the dad jokes, y'all. Yes, apparently. Let's be real.
0: But um, with any kind of entity that's trying to teach you things, that is not an entity that is out for a good intent. Especially you saying that you were three and it was showing you dark stuff. That is... That's malicious in its intent because you are too young to be knowing the darker side of paranormal and whatnot. And also... You're at a very impressionable age. So anything that's preying on that, it could be considered a demonic force. And also a lot of times when kids report having imaginary friends, a lot of times they're talking to dead people. And a lot of times it is demonic presences. And like how we talked in one of the previous episodes, how a lot of times evil forces tend to prey on children because they have so much curiosity, so much imagination, they're way more open to it, and they're way less likely to push away something, even if it's kind of frightening.
1: So. Oh, absolutely. And usually when you're dealing with a spirit that's like showing you methods of tapping into this energy and this power, those are entities trying to get through, trying to get you to open the door and they're teaching you how to open the door for them. Um, and it's very dangerous to, to take any information from an opportunistic parasitic entity. And that's usually what they are. They're parasitic in the sense that they prey upon children because children have wide open senses and sensory uh, perception. And then they teach them how to open the doors and how to get in. And that's oftentimes like the precursor to possession is it's teaching you how to be a vessel, it's teaching you how to, you know, uh, uh, bring an entity into the world. And yeah, imaginary friends can be very freakish in a lot of those senses because sometimes they're so well constructed. And you can question a three year old or four year old about their imaginary friend, and they have so much information about them that you're like, wait, this is more. Yeah. Than a construct. This is something you're familiar with. And um, yeah, uh, and again, we use the word demon a lot and demonic, which kind of denotes a religious uh, because of the word. But I don't, I, I want to go ahead and say that we use the word de- demonic to classify a type of energy or a type of entity that is harmful, that does harmful things. Um, and that breaks it into different mm-hmm. categories because we don't want it to... It's, it's a blanket term. <laughs> it really is. It is. So, you know, it, it's a blanket term for something dangerous. Um, but some, some entities that have all the demonic qualities are far more manageable than others. So there's a spectrum, <laughs> you know, but like I said, uh, we definitely use the word demon. You'll hear us use demon a lot. Uh, but it's just because it's an easy way... To discuss it. Yes. You know, uh, we could do a whole episode on just what a demon is, because there's so much input, so much information, and so many variables.
0: Also, right. a lot of times, too, um, that's how, you know, entities get into particular objects, too, like how a lot of times when you see haunted dolls, yeah, it's <laughs> because they... I've heard this many times where, you know, the entity will ask the child, hey, I really like being with you. Can I live in your doll? And of course, because the child does not know better, they're going to be like, yes. And that immediately opens that threshold for them to be like, okay, well, now I'm here. And you can't get rid of it a lot of times. Which
1: also speaks to some, some very old superstitions about invitation, you know, so many of our stories involve not inviting evil in. I mean, Vampire Lord literally states a vampire can't yeah. come into your house yeah. unless it's invited. And that comes from a long understanding that there are entities that need permission to come in, which suggests that all of us have a, an immense power. That power is, I have the power to grant some supernatural being access. And we never think that way. We think of ourselves as meat machines we don't think of ourselves as these spiritual entities we don't think of ourselves as having any power because the world makes us feel powerless Mm -hmm. but the truth of the matter is we are immensely powerful and we can make immense changes to reality through concerted effort concerted belief and of course ritual which becomes how we manifest our intent into reality
2: All right. okay okay all uh, right. next question is and y'all keep asking these questions please 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 we need them all right these are great questions what would you say is the most malevolent spirit in savannah in sfx riot nine ask that mm.
0: hmm. um there's a lot of variables to this uh some people believe that uh, one of the most malevolent spirits is the one that's in the basement of Moon River because it has literally attacked people. Um, I'm trying to think of one that I would consider one of the most malevolent. I would also say one of the ones that are in the Sorrel Weed House uh, because that one has also attacked people over a chair, right? It's like...
1: I've actually had bad experiences in both those places. Yeah. So, yes. Of course uh, you have, th- Those are both solid. It's it's tricky. Uh, so, on the corners of um, Liberty and Lincoln. On Liberty and Lincoln, that is the first crossroads south of Colonial Park Cemetery. And it is the foundation point of the uh, St. John the Baptist's church, uh, cathedral. Um, The thing to know about that is in the south, the first crossroads south of any cemetery is where you would go to meet the devil to sell your soul. And that gives us this access point, this idea in southern culture, in southern superstition, in belief. The devil is an entity that is easily reached in, you know, uh, anywhere near a cemetery. (laughs) According to legend, uh, me and a friend, we actually put it to the test one night and we came across a very, uh, we, we actually encountered this man, this giant man taller than me. I'm, I'm a very tall man uh, with a big gigantic beard and he was just sniffing like a dog. He was like <laughs> three o'clock in the morning, first uh, uh, crossroad south of a cemetery. And me and my friend we were just like trying to not engage him because the trick of selling your soul to the devil, again, all legend, but this was a very scary moment, is that if you accept anything from the devil and, under any circumstances, you've exchanged your soul for whatever the devil gives you. There's no contract. The soul is exchanged when you accept anything from the devil. So if you know some strange man in the middle of the night offers you a stick of gum, do not take it. Uh, we've heard stories of things like people sinking in quicksand and the devil showing up and saying... Do you want a rope? Throwing them the rope, and when you accept the help, you've sold your soul. What? Uh, Yeah, and again, these are legends, but when you're asking what's the most malevolent force, um, I encountered a spirit that this man, this, this strange man, I had actually experienced that sensation before in 12 Oglethorpe, 12 West Oglethorpe, which is a... Marvelously haunted place, which is now a restaurant. Yes. So, if you want to, you can go. Uh, it's husk now. Go and sit and have a meal. I can't do it, but you said a block south of a cemetery, the first intersection okay, south yeah. of a Hold cemetery. On. That
2: that we had a fan send. Uh, I think I did. I send it to you, um, 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 or maybe I was no. going to show it to you. It's a photo on Liberty and Abercorn
1: mm-hmm. at the church. That is, that is the, that too is the first. Yo,
2: yo. Okay. So, so a fan sent us a photo and I, I can't tell if it's real or not. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that our, you know, our fans create fake ghost photos, but I can't put my, you know, name behind it unless I, you know, like took the photo. Um, and I know it's not, um, you know, doctored, but there's this, you you know the photo well, I'm talking about it's the thing with the face in the ba- bottom left corner right at that oh yes yes there's something in the shadows in this photo and i will um i'll i'll put it up i'll put it up in the podcast here um but but yeah it's just does like it have a timestamp stamp on the picture uh-huh. huh? i'd be very
1: interested what time it is <laughs> it does not it's just a cell okay. phone
2: picture yeah. and it was taken during a tour hmm. oh, uh, she interesting. said
0: so the thing is, too, you got to remember about Colonial Park Cemetery is that cemetery used to extend a block in every direction. That's right. At one point. So it could be something like that, but at the same time, it very likely could be some kind of residual energy from the from cemetery.
2: From the actual
1: cemetery, right.
0: But it's showing up. At no, I cru- like
2: this better. Don't be a buzzkill. <laughs> I like this I'm better. Sorry,
0: I have to be All the one to. Although, bring in
1: the- um, technically, it does not go. North because right after where the because it cuts off right at Abercorn. Mm-hmm. The um because then you're getting into the old slave burial grounds yes. and you're getting into the Irish and black burial grounds, all of which still there, but no sign of them. Like there is a, there was a concerted effort to move the the black graves to Laurel Grove and they actually set up a section of Laurel Grove Cemetery, but there's no record of the thousands upon thousands of bodies that they would have had to have moved none oh lord they, they just built two squares right on top of these and it's 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 yeah, very yeah that's the
2: 432 Abercorn one yeah yes. all right so so
1: we're not going to talk about it
2: now but we do have an episode coming for 432 promise it's been
1: highly uh uh asked for so yes and so there it, it's 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 a fascinating little vortex right there yeah between between spirits that were not acknowledged as human they were buried and and you can imagine that slave burials were probably not given all due respect and all you know the attempts to do it Um, I I once read a a, a tale that was basically a, a person would die a slave would die but the day's work would still have to happen so the only time that they could bury them was at night and they would be not given, like, time or, or, or resources. And, you know, if there was any type of marker, it was probably wooden, and it was probably very basic. So, you know, just taking that in consideration, <laughs> the, the, the energies of that, uh, of Abercorn and Jones Street is, like, this conflict of those that were considered others and those that were considered, you know, true Savannians, they were separated in this one strip spiritually. Uh, it's very a very intense area. <laughs> yeah, it like is. They, you draw a circle right there and be like, "This is where there is conflict, spiritual conflict."
2: All right, and y'all, this is the last uh, question, and it's actually quite a funny one. That's why we saved it for last. Um, is Johnny Gannam's haunted? Savannah native six 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 asked that. The it is full
1: of spirits, full (laughs) of spirits.
2: (laughs) I get it. And for those of you who are not from Savannah,
0: it's a a liquor store.
2: So it's no, it's our liquor store. Like I mean, Savannah's liquor store. I like we love it.
0: It's a locally owned liquor store. So
1: um, it's on Gaston and Habersham Street.
2: Yeah, Yeah. actually near the near the 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 uh, vortex. So. Would
1: that that, be that over row of, of buildings is right across the street from the... The, the Amethyst right, Inn. The yeah. Amethyst and the uh, Gastonian. Yes. Yeah. Both very haunted yeah. uh, uh, bed and breakfasts. Um, and, and yeah, uh, that whole area, because... I want to say that I had heard that that is the area of the Irish uh, burial grounds that were not... Before they were included as, as yeah. citizens. Uh, but also... Um, where apparently and again i don't have as much verification on this but in that area there was a gallows and it was specifically for people that would not be executed in the prime location these were kind of like organized lynchings really when it came down to it um and it was the justice system of the outcast you know because oh. generally speaking there was a savanna that was run and governed and then there was these these tin town, tinsel town, frog town, all these little in, in, embankment and uh settlements all around it in the early years, and they would actually enact their own system of justice <laughs> their own, you know, those things. And again. I don't have anything secure on it, but th- that was the kind of thing that in conversation with historians or in conversation with people who, who, who have a, a sense of Savannah, that's kind of what they would tell you is, oh, yeah, because uh, there's a building right on Abercorn and Gaston Street where an uncanny amount of suicides occurred over the years. Really? Yes. And, and somebody was like, you know what? The weirdest thing about those suicides is it was all hangings. I was like, all hangings? And he's like, yeah, people just hang themselves in this building. And I was like, that's really weird. He's like, no, it's especially weird because it's not particularly tall. Like, there's not, the ceiling space is not particularly tall. So that you have to get kind of creative. And I was like, that's so weird. Do you know any reason why? And and the answer was, I believe that there used to be like a citizen's gallows or a, you know, it's, I don't know you what know, the, the term would be. Gallows. Yeah, it, it would be <laughs> a place where, Maybe the authorities wouldn't look yeah. too, too closely sure. if, okay. if somebody were hanging there. Uh, and, and again, I don't know if that's true. I just know that that was a story that was given to me sure. in explanation of inexplicable things.
0: So where my brain goes to immediately is the Candler Oak that mm-hmm. is right by Johnny Gannim's. Right. It's about a block away. But they used to hang a lot of people in that tree, specifically African-American people. But... Um, because it was said that you know African American people weren't allowed to cross through Forsyth Park and mm-hmm. um, if they did, if they were found doing that, they would get hanged in the Candler Oak.
1: And it's worth noting that Savannah ended at um, basically Liberty. And then what you're dealing with is a kind of amalgam of farmland and you know uh, other things. So the, the Candler Oak was was a landmark long before it became, you know, consumed by the city. Yes. So it, it, it makes sense that even then they would see it and be like, that's the place to to enact justice, you know, in the wilds of Samana because that would be what that is, pines and wild, um, before it was all functioned.
2: Oh, cool.
0: All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun, different topics. We, we've gone through all sorts of stuff this episode. So um, awesome. Well, we're going to go ahead and start wrapping up a little bit. But I do want to say thank you guys so much for supporting us always. We really appreciate it. Uh, make sure to follow us on TikTok at the Savannah Underground and also on Instagram. Again, make sure to check out our Patreon, too, if that is something that you're interested in. It's going to, like I said, have so much cool content, and we're cooking up lots of fun things for y'all. But uh, with that, JT, do you have anything you'd like to say?
2: Just keep asking questions because, like, uh, you know, we these are great questions that we've been getting, so love it.
0: Awesome. Chris, do you have a ghost tip for us?
1: Oh, gee. I guess the, the, the main one we actually covered in today is... Pro ghost tip, don't invite any spirits into your living experience, (laughs) your living situation. Don't invite spirits into yourself. Um, There's a lot of interesting go-arounds with communicating with spirits, but be very wary of those words, invitation, invocation. Definitely don't say, here's a doll you can hang out in. Those are the kinds of things that usually end poorly for the people who are involved.
0: Yeah, you don't want an Annabelle. So, <laughs> okay, well, with that being said, thank you guys again. We will see you on every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, since we'll be uploading that um, every week now. So my name is Madison Timmons.
1: I'm Chris Susie.
0: And stay spooky, y'all.